It's a really strange thing, isn't it? It's a great time, Christmas. Uh, it's, but for many, it's a bit of a mix. Uh, maybe it brings back some really sad memories for you. Maybe in amongst all of that kind of joy, there are moments of sorrow. At the same time, maybe you're... I know there's a whole gang of you in here, you kind of committed to, yeah, well, we can have a little bit of Christmas, but we've got a big game the next day, and, uh, and so our, our kind of Christmas break might start a little bit later, but at the same time, Christmas is an amazing time. I think it's amazing in lots of ways. I find it amazing because here we are celebrating Christmas in 2016, 2,000 years after Christianity began, and that, after all, is what Christmas is all about. That's originally where it started. The actual celebration as we celebrate Christmas with food and time off and all of that kind of thing, that was a much later thing, probably around about the Victorian era, where it really started to take off. And uh, there's not many things that we really thank the Victorians for, but I thank them for that. It's great to have a bit of a holiday, isn't it? But here we are, 1900 years, 2000 years, however many, 2100, 2200 years, years and years afterwards, we are still celebrating Christmas. Some of the things that you might not know, you might think, particularly in our country, you might think that Christianity as a faith is kind of on the decline. In actual fact, if you look at the world, Christianity remarkably, incredibly, is continuing to grow and to grow and to grow. It's amazing on a worldwide basis. In our particular location, it might be maybe not as strong as it has been in the past. But let me give you just this figure for Africa, 1900. 116 years ago, reckon that there were 10 million Christians in Africa. In 2000, 100 years later, 360 million Christians. Southeast Asia, Korea, South America, Christianity is, without a doubt, a worldwide phenomenon. It's an incredible thing, and I just thought for a few minutes it would be worth just pausing and having a look at that and saying, why is that? Why is it such an incredible uh, feature in our culture? Well, let's go right the way back to our readings, which are, after all, the very first Christmas. And we're going to see three things in there. First thing that we're going to see is a surprising journey. Then we're going to see a stunning announcement, and then we're going to see a shared experience. They're the three things that we're going to see. So let's go. First thing, a surprising journey. So we see this, and and you know it, I'm sure, this uh, young couple, Mary and Joseph, who have a baby in Bethlehem. We kind of, we all know about that. But Christmas captures one of the names, one of the titles for Jesus, which is Christ. That means that he was promised. He was the promised one. If you've got a Bible, maybe the Bible's new to you. It's basically in two big chunks, Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is all about before Jesus, and the New Testament is all about after Jesus. 
They're the two big chunks. Everything in the old bit is preparing you for the new bit. So it's all pointing towards and, and talking about this promised one. A promised one. That's the Christ. That's what it means. Or Messiah. What we see is that Jesus is the promised one for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. But there were two things that were said about Jesus. Well, there are lots of things said about him, but there's two things I just want to pick out. One of the things that was said is that he would come from Nazareth, he'd be despised, he'd come from a place which was not liked. If you were a, a, a Jew in the first century, if you lived in Jew, Jerusalem, you were a kind of, you were one of the proper Jews. If you lived up north in Nazareth, that was the dodgy place, that was the despised place. But at the same time, it says that Jesus was going to be born in Bethlehem. So there's two things, he's going to come from Nazareth and he's going to be born in Bethlehem. How do you achieve that? You create a surprising journey. Now, I think one of the great things about coming along here, we have lots of little kids, little babies, little children. I love the noise. Don't worry about the noise. Uh, Mums, carers, I've got a microphone. I can always be louder. Don't worry about that. But uh, one of the things that if you've been through that experience, one of the things that you know is that there's lots of journeys that you don't go on. You know, once it starts to get time when you're about to maybe have the baby, you don't go on a big journey. Mary and Joseph traveled around about 70, 80, 90 miles, depending on the route that they took, by foot, when Mary was expecting imminently. Why would you possibly do that? <laughs> Nothing would have moved my wife to make that trip. I'll tell you, there's no way we'd have got away with that. So how do you actually enforce a trip like that? Because after all, Jesus has got to come from Nazareth and be born in Bethlehem, 70 miles apart. We see it right at the very beginning of our reading. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. That's astounding, isn't it? That's amazing. How do you actually get a pregnant woman, eight and a half months pregnant, eight months pregnant, to make... Actually, it must have been a seven and a half, eight months pregnant by the time she makes a, uh, that kind of journey, I guess. How do you get her to do that? Well, you use the Roman emperor. You know, you can't... That is the one thing that you can't say no to, isn't it? You know, you say no to your husband, you can say no to your family, it's not going to happen, but you bring the Roman emperor into it, and you've got to make the trip. It's an amazing thing. And so Mary and Joseph make that four to seven day trip from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. Now, I know that all of our nat nativity plays, I know that they're having fun and games over in there, the kids, they're doing a bit of a nat nativity play. They'll probably get louder than that, I reckon. Uh, Mary and Joseph, we've got it in our minds, they make this mad dash down to Bethlehem and then, you know, as they arrive, there's no room and Mary just about gets into the stable and she has the baby on the first night that they arrive. The Bible doesn't actually say that, it says that once they'd arrived, it could have been there, been that she'd been there for a short time. One of the things that we do know is that it was incredibly busy because everybody was arriving in Bethlehem because... Caesar Augustus 
had said, go to this town. And so they arrive. And they went there because Joseph was of that family. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time for the baby to be born. The time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to a firstborn, a son. That, that little bit there, that moment is the start of 2,000 years of history. That little moment where it says she gave birth to a son. But it took a surprising journey for Jesus to arrive in Bethlehem. The second thing we see is a stunning announcement. Bethlehem was just a crazy place at that moment in time. There were people everywhere. There was noise. They'd ended up in, a, in a, what would prob- was a cave uh, behind an inn. The stable is, was actually a cave uh, where the animals and the food was kept and the, the cold Bethlehem nights, it would have been warmer underground. In fact, if you go to the Church of the Nativity, you can actually go into the cave which was discovered under, the emperor, under emperor Constantine where his mother Helena made a huge survey of the Roman world and actually found the place under a Roman temple cleared the Roman temple out the way, and there's this place where this history was born, this Jesus moment. But in reality, Mary giving birth in a stable was nothing. It was absolutely nothing. It would have gone completely unnoticed. Nobody would have taken any notice of that except for Events which were happening outside of Bethlehem. I don't know about you, but for years and years and years, I kind of had this image of the shepherds up, up on the hillside, uh, and they kind of came down the hill down to Bethlehem. In, in actual fact, it's the other way around. Bethlehem is up on the hill, and the, the fields, the shepherd fields, run down from Bethlehem. So they actually traveled up to get to Bethlehem. But what we see is a stunning announcement. Every cultural context has the big announcement. Some of you guys, you've been on the red carpet, you've had that red carpet moment, that announcement, you run out in kind of the accolade of music and cheerleaders, here's the entry. Uh, Some of you might have graduated and you have that uh, academic procession, we were at a graduation Uh, a week or so ago, and it starts with the kind of trumpets being played and all of the academics make their way down to the front. It's this moment of the introduction of the most important person in whatever moment that is. How do you make an incredible announcement about God coming into the world? Well, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord." 
And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That's how you do it. That's how you make this massive announcement. Now, before I don't know about you, but when you think about kind of angels and heavenly announcements and all of that kind of thing, don't get fooled into the medieval paintings of chubby babies with wings playing a harp, floating on a cloud, shooting bows and arrows. That's not actually what was going on. I don't know what it was like, but the way it's described is it was absolutely terrifyingly breathtaking. These guys, they're used to being out the night, and then suddenly, wham, something absolutely remarkable happens around them. And an insignificant occurrence of a peasant girl having a baby in Bethlehem becomes a dramatic event of historical significance. That's, that's what goes on. An insignificant event becomes incredible. Why? Because there's that declaration, this stunning announcement. How do you respond to that? When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened which the Lord has told us. That's the change that goes on. I've heard it. I'm terrified by it. But here's the question, is it true? That, that's the core, actually, isn't it? That's the core of all of this. As we look at this event, as we, 2,000 or so years later, as we celebrate this, that is the key issue. Is it true? And so they go to sea. They hurried off. And Mary and Joseph and the baby who was like, uh, sorry, and hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Those who had been terrified become seekers of the truth. And they then share that experience. So we've got a surprising journey. We've got a stunning announcement. And now we've got a shared experience. As soon as they hear it, as soon as they see what had happened out on the hillside is actually what had truly happened in Bethlehem when they climb up the hill to get there, they are amazed. In fact, they are so amazed that from that moment they go out and they start telling people. <laughs> and, and that is the beginning of Christmas. It's actually what we're doing right now. It's just saying, this is what happened. This is what's gone on in Bethlehem. And the story of Jesus starts to be spread around the world. That's why we're here today. I guess that those shepherds from that moment on, having gone through that experience, they would have been cha changed for life, I reckon. I don't know about you. Have you ever had, I'm sure many of you have had, one of those really life-changing experiences. Something from that moment on, you are never ever the same again. It impacts you in all sorts of different ways. That's what these guys had. They had a life-changing experience along with so many people from there on. 
In fact, what happened, in fact, we don't hear anything about Jesus from the age of 12 until he starts his ministry at the age of 30. You will probably all know about the fact that he gathered around him a group of 12 people who became his disciples. And then there was 70 more on an outer following, and then even more. It wasn't just 12. There were 100, 150 people who became followers of Jesus at that time. One of them betrayed him, and the rest were terrified when he was killed. They were absolutely terrified. They believed that they saw him risen back to life after he had died. Uh, And here's the amazing statistic. With the exception of one of them, every single one of those disciples died for the sake of what they believed. That's an amazing thing, I think. It's an eyewitness statement of what's going on. Those who followed him became those who wanted to share with other people what they had seen. And that ripple has continued for the past 2,000 years. Sharing, talking, sharing, talking, and people across the world are joining in what we're celebrating today. C.S. Lewis said that is one of the most incredible things that's happened in the history of the world. And it all centers around this one person, this one baby, Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ. He said that he was either mad, bad, or God. Bono, lead singer with U2, put it rather differently, but essentially said the same thing. He said, it's a defining question for Christianity. Who was Christ? I don't think you'll let off, I'm reading what he said here, I don't think you'll let off easily by saying he was a great thinker or a great philosopher because actually he went around saying that he was the Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the Son of God. So he either, in my view, was the Son of God or he was nuts. Forget rock and roll messianic complexes. I mean Charlie Manson-type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all of the millions and millions of lives, half the earth, for 2,000 years have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I don't believe it. And I guess for all of us, and, and you guys, a lot of you guys know me, we've got to know each other over the years, I really... This is where I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve a bit. I love you guys. Uh, I, I really do. You, you are really special to me. Uh, and you know that sharing Christmas, for me, is a great privilege uh, to be able to do with you. But this is the moment where we kind of address what Bono said, and we say, was he nuts, or was he who he said he was? Because it all boils down to that. In fact... If it's true, everything changes. Everything changes. The whole world changes as a result of that truth. Or, Jesus really was a complete nut job. And, and you want to you just dismiss everything that's said. It is one or the other. 
But, you know, I think one of the most important things and one of the most precious things for me is that it's not just something which is an interesting thing. Jesus says something which is absolutely fundamental. He says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's what he said later on in his life. In his, he said it because of who he was. And I know the lives that we all live. I know that they're filled with joy, sadness, pressure, challenge, excitement, disappointment. But I know that a lot of us are carrying a burden that is making us weary. And Jesus says quite simply, come to me and I will give you rest. And I, I, I guess I'm sharing in the millennia of communicating that and finding all of those people who've said, actually, that is true to me. That has become something that is really special. It is the most amazing, incredible Christmas gift that we could ever receive. 